You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone, episode number 242, right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Uh, we are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are glad that you're here with us today. I am your host and the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined in the studio each and every week by my tremendous co-host. He's our founder, editor-in-chief, and president here at Rocket Sports Media. He's the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you doing today? Doing fine. How are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. Are you ready for six more weeks of winter? I really think that that's what Punxsutawney Phil is going to say this week. Who's that? I know. you're. Gonna, which one are you going with, Sam or Willie? Or Fred. Fred? Fred Lamarmot. Oh, I forgot about Lamarmot. I'm so sorry, Fred. Our American listeners are very cute, confused right now. Wyerton Willie is the is unique. He's an albino. Is he now? Yeah. I had forgotten that. Mm-hmm. And, she- and one year they couldn't find one, and so they painted him white. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> you can't do that. I'm sure PETA had a field day with that one. Uh, so, so, okay, we all know Punk's Tony Phil. We all know Groundhog Day, the Bill Murray movie, uh, Wyerton Willie, and is it Shuba Kennedy Sam? He's in the Maritimes in Nova Scotia, yeah. Okay. And so what, these are the Canadian knockoffs or are they, you know, as I said, Willie's pretty, pretty unique. Yeah. Um, Fred is, is not even a groundhog. He's, He's a, marmot, a marmot. So, okay. um, there's another, there's Nanaimo has one really as well. Yeah. I can't remember his name. Do you need one in every province in Canada? Are the are the winter predictions big that different? Yeah. So is <laughs> well, Vancouver weather, Victoria, it's obviously different. Well, we have Phil for all in Pennsylvania for all of the U.S. and and that includes Hawaii. Right, and what's his record? He's got a good record. You yeah, leave him it's alone. Like 50, 40 percent, I think it is. What's Willie's record? About forty five percent. Okay. Then. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm betting that all of them, the collective cute rodent community who's going to make their prognostications uh, tomorrow, I believe I'm going to say they're all going to say it's going to be six more weeks of winter. All right. Don't shoot the messenger. What do you think? 
Are you hoping for more winter or are you ready for spring? I'm ready for spring. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are you ready for the Olympics? No. <laughs> well, they're here. They're starting. Women's hockey starts this week. I think men's hockey starts next Wednesday, the 9th. As we said, I know. like the Powerful Team Canada, led by Eric Stahl and David DeHarnay. I like Eric Stahl as captain. I do. Do you uh, like David DeHarnay I'm not going to leave captain? that. I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to leave that alone. Let David DeHarnay have his, have his fun. Uh, it'll be... The hockey, the hockey tournament is going to be interesting to watch this year. We talked about that. There's, there's some, there's some prospects that are getting to play, which I think is pretty mm -hmm. fun. There's some guys uh, in the AHL who are getting to play um, who normally wouldn't have this opportunity. So I think that's pretty fun. It's a good story for them. Um, and some of these, some of these veterans um, that maybe aren't playing in the NHL right now, uh, getting, getting a chance as well. So it's not going to be the typical type of Olympic hockey tournament, but I think it's still going to be. It's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, it should be. Uh, but there's going to be a, an awful lot of NHL hockey and AHL yeah. hockey uh, trying to make up some games during that uh, Olympic break. It's a little busy this month. Mm -hmm. I think the U.S. faces off against um, the Chinese team first. Captain, ba Is it Brandon Yip who's captaining the Chinese team? Okay. I think something like that. I trust I don't you. Know. I don't know. Anyway... Lots of hockey coming up in February. Lots of hockey to talk about in this episode. Uh, in our first segment, we've got so much audio to bring you today. Um, we've had some great Zoom calls with uh, players with the Laval Rocket and head coach Jean-Francois Uhl over the last four or five days. Uh, some really, some really, really good sound bites to chock full of good sound bites. So we're bringing you a lot of that audio today because I'm betting a lot of you uh, probably have missed a lot of those interviews. Unless, of course, you've been listening to our game recap or reading our game recaps for the Laval Rocket on AHLReport.com. Uh, and uh, then you'll have heard some of these things. But but there's lots um, there's lots that we've been in conversation with. So you're going to hear a lot of that today. And we're going to focus a bit on the prospects in Laval and kind of just a little update on, because things have been so up and down this season, uh, just kind of where things are at. The first thing we're going to talk about is the goaltending depth. Um, as, as it's an issue in Montreal, it certainly is a focus in Laval as well. Um, and so we're going to talk just about the organization's depth uh, at goaltending, kind of some updates on some of those prospects uh, and how Laval has been faring uh, with their tandem recently. We're also going to get you an injury update on some of the uh, top prospects uh, in Laval uh, and bring you some audio there as well. And then finally, there's been a few prospects who spent some time in Montreal due to all of the, the COVID call-ups and, and so on and so forth, who have now been returned to Laval. And we're going to just going to take a look at, you know, things that they learned while that they, while they were up, uh, their, their, their prospect as far as getting back to the NHL, some feedback from the coach, uh, just some really great information that we have to go over and, and share with you there. Uh, and then in the second segment, we're going to take a look at the standings. We haven't done that in a while. Take a look at the standings and find out if Laval is in a playoff position at this point in the season. Uh, some teams are already celebrating their halfway mark of the season. Laval's not quite there yet. Uh, but we'll take a look at how the team is doing overall uh, and then get you caught up on 
what coverage is coming for the Laval Rocket from our AHL Report team this week, features that are coming out at AHLReport.com to make sure that you don't miss any of that um, before we send you on your way. Sounds good. It does. So I guess first and foremost, Rick, when we talk about goaltending with the Montreal Canadiens, of course, the big story this entire season has been Carey Price uh, absences for, for a couple of different reasons. And if this week, finally, Carey Price was headlines all over the Montreal once again um, as it was arranged for him. Interesting, the timing of it. Uh, 45 minutes before puck drop on Sunday uh, was uh, arranged for him to meet via Zoom with with members of the press. Um, I know our initial reaction was, is this really necessary right now? Well, in fact, we we had said on this program and, and even in our team slack chat back in september we we had all agreed uh don't push him to do media stuff until he's ready to until he's ready to come back um and there were plenty of mixed reviews um and i think for me rick the overall feeling i got was uh carrie price was being a good soldier and doing what was asked of him but probably wasn't ready to make the media yet well it it to me, it didn't make much sense because uh, there have been a couple of setbacks for various reasons, as mm. as Price said. Um, but so much is unknown, and what came out of it? I mean, the 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 mainstream media, um, uh, the beat reporters have been uh, whining about uh, we need to we need to hear from Kerry, we mm-hmm. need to hear from Kerry, and. And so Chantal arranged it for them. And then what came out of it is they were all complaining afterwards that, boy, he really didn't have a lot to say. <laughs> and um, he wasn't uh, really optimistic about what was going to happen. Um, it's because so much is unknown. Um, Maybe if and, they just waited. Well, exactly. <laughs> that It was terrible timing. Um, could have waited a month. Could have waited longer. Uh-huh. Uh, there was no rush to do it. Um but um, yeah, so there's been a slew of of negative stories about Price being pessimistic about um, you know uh, that that he's so uncertain and it's dark times and blah 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 and and it's it wasn't that at all. He was just there's no very matter of fact yeah. as he usually is. He was very honest. He was very direct and said um, that he doesn't have. Any information, and and um, he said, you know, I th- I think what they wanted to be able to write is that um, that he was going to retire, that he was going to uh, waive his trade, you know, his no trade clause, all those kinds mm-hmm. of things, and and uh, Kerry just threw cold water on that. I think the most important thing that he said was that, um, you know, they said, why bother? Why do you want to be? Just a distasteful question was yeah, why do you like why do why do you want to continue to be goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens? It's it's like it's a lot of work here. Why do you want to keep rehabbing? Um, and and he said it's you know um, this is our home. We've made it our home. We like being here, and a huge part of my identity is being the goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens, and mm-hmm. and putting on that jersey still means something. Um, we like Montreal. We we want to stay, and and. Uh, that's the reason that I signed a, an eight-year contract is because I want to be in Montreal, and uh, that was that went completely sideways <laughs> to the narrative that they were trying to create. So most didn't report that; instead, focused on how uncertain 
uh, his future was going to be. Well, and I always try to look at these things in the, and and I realize there's a new there's a new person in charge of of communications and so forth now. But I always try to look at these things from an organizational standpoint of okay, well, you know how they ha- handled this in the past, and we don't have very far backwards to go to look at how uh, Jonathan Duran's return and press was handled. Um, I I think the last thing that you would be able to say about that was that they put him in front of the press too soon when no one knew had any information. You, there's no possible way that you could say that because that's not what happened there. So I'm, it's a little disappointing that they didn't uh, offer the same uh, protection and and patience uh, with Carrie Price's situation. I understand that Carrie Price is a very different player in terms of the franchise than Jonathan Duran is, um, but it would have been nice to give him the same... Um, allotment and patience uh, to to meet with the media when everyone had answers and there was solid information to give uh, when his return was imminent. And that's that's a really good point. We remember that uh, Duran was put in front of two very friendly media types for uh, a short, short uh, interview each. Um, and really none of what had happened was explored. He didn't talk about um, what had happened, what what strategies he had used, his coping me- mechanisms, uh, his therapy. He didn't talk about any of that, and, and that was fine. Um, and I was glad they didn't press price on that either. Uh, no, they didn't, but uh, certainly about his knee, they did. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just really the, the whole uh, future of him in Montreal is, is really a non-issue because Price said he wants to be here, um, and... Uh, Kent Hughes had said uh, basically he's untouchable because of number one, his contract. Number two, um, his contract having a no move clause, I should specify. Mm-hmm. Uh, and two, um, that he is the franchise. He's so important to the organization, has been for the last decade. Absolutely. So as as has been the case from, from the start of all of this, um, time will tell. And as I, I I liked that you could tell that Carrie was getting um, a little as agitated as Carrie will look. He was getting a little um, not happy with some of the the persistent questioning, and finally, literally said, "I'm not a fortune teller, so I can't tell you how the rehab on my knee over the next three weeks is going to go." Um, you know, he said, "I'm I'm I'm hoping that it goes well. I want it to go well, but he know he's been down this road before." not just this year, uh, that he's hoping in the next few weeks things are going to improve, but you never know when it comes to healing and the body, and sometimes it doesn't always go the way you want it to go. Uh, so all you can do is wait and and keep working at it and do what the medical team is telling him to do, and and we'll see what happens, and then there'll be answers. <laughs> and there was two moments, that one uh, that, that you mentioned. Oh, I bet I know which one you're going to say. I bet. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> it's so good. The other one was interpret it as you wish. Um, take it however yeah, take, you want. However you want to. <laughs> we know, I know you're going to anyway. I mean, I, I added that that other part. But, yeah. you know, he has to sit in front of people who openly despise him uh, for whatever reason. And, and well, we won't name them. You know them by now. <laughs> the ones right. just absolutely hate him. Um, and don't make any secret of it. No. So, and you can tell when he, though he doesn't have patience for their questions typically. And, and you can, there are subtle body language and facial expressions that uh, you can see 
when you're watching Carrie Price listen to questions, and it was it was amusing to to see that. So good for him for for pushing back and getting his own tiny little statements in there where he could. So of course that means that leaves Sam Montembeau and Caden Primo as the tan tandem. Uh, we know Sam Montembeau is not 100% because he's putting off surgery, hoping to put off surgery on his wrist until after the season. Um, the performances of both of them have been, hoy, that's been an adventure. Um, in fact, I, I joked in our, in our Rocket Sports uh, team chat the other night that after every goal, they ought to just rotate the goalie just to put the freshest guy in there after every goal against. Um, Rick, I know that you and Chris G actually talked about the goaltending situation for the Habs uh, extensively this past Saturday on Canadians Connection and your big topic. For sure. Um, and you, you'll want to go in and uh, listen to the Canadians Connection. It was a focus on goaltending up and down the organization, including Carey Price, including Jake Allen, um, who should be back close to the trade deadline. The two you mentioned, uh, uh, Primo and Montembeau, who uh, Primo is, is the goaltender who has been pulled the most uh, this season in the NHL. Montembeau is catching up. Um, uh, then there's there's McNiven and and uh, we we don't forget about Laval either and 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 uh, talk about those guys and and the prospects the goaltending prospects that are in the organization. Um, when it comes to Primo, uh, as you as you mentioned, I mean that's not a stat that you want that you you're the guy who's been pulled the most. Um, it's starting to be a regular occurrence for him, um, and in fact, uh, you know we had Marty Buran on the show a, a, about a month and a half ago. And at that point, he was he was critical of Primo's NHL performances, uh, mentioning that you know he really truly believes that he needs to spend more time in the AHL, it's, and certainly wasn't light on the criticisms. Uh, one of the nights that he got pulled, either um, mentioning that all three goals were really stoppable. Um, it's unfortunate for Caden Primo. Uh, he he would be best served to be down in the AHL right now. So none of this is really helping him. I don't think. Um, but I don't know what else the Canadians are going to do right now. Yeah, it's tough. They they would have to um, ideally uh, bring in a goaltender uh, that could act as a backup uh, and and get Primo back to the AHL. Um, if only there were one put on waivers recently. <laughs> yeah, they they steer clear of that. And 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 listen, Arendelle isn't having a good season, but. Um, and neither are Montembeau that's, or Primo. Yeah, so that's um, not the point. Yeah. And, and the point is to get Primo back to the AHL because he really needs to learn. Um, he he thinks he's an NHL goaltender now. He isn't, it, not even close. And he's really having trouble with the mental game, with, with figuring out his positioning. Um, he overplays. He's way too passive at times. Uh, that messes up his puck tracking, his rebounds. Um, it, he's he's just right out of sorts right now, and and he needs um, he needs to get back to the uh, the AHL so that he can have some instruction, um, but also so that um, you know the shots that he, he is facing aren't coming from the quick release that you find through the NHL. Absolutely, uh, someone who talked about being surprised by that quick NHL release on shots is Michael McNiven when he made his NHL debut having to come in in relief. Um, oddly enough today, uh, according to cat friendly, Michael McNiven has been put on IR. Um, it's a big, 
mystery, though, because the Canadians haven't announced it. So who knows what's going on there? We don't know. <laughs> We're not going to speculate. But apparently, allegedly, Michael McNiman has been put on IR. So now, now un unless unless something happened in in in, in drills in in practice, because yeah. he hasn't played since the 24th of January. That was the the night where he got called in in the third period against uh, Minnesota. It ended up being an 8-2 loss. Uh, McNiven gave up three goals on seven shots in the third period, and there was nothing announced after that. But but uh, um, all this time, a week or so has gone by, and, and now he's been placed on IR. Very strange. We'll have to wait to see what more we can learn about that because that's just news that just came out today, but just updating all of you folks. Um, so that leaves, of course, in Laval, Kevin Polan, who is up from the ECHL, uh, who he himself got pulled on Friday night in Texas, uh, which meant that his backup, currently on PTO with the Laval Rocket, uh, signing f uh, that PTO from the Wheeling Nailers in the ECHL is one Louis-Philippe Guindon. Uh, he came in in relief of Poulin on, on Friday night uh, for the third period and actually uh, didn't look terrible um, and got his first AHL start then on Saturday night in Texas uh, and got a win. Uh, first AHL, he's, Guindon uh, spent a number of years playing for Drummondville in the queue before heading to McGill and playing four years of youth sports for McGill University. And the past couple of years has, has I want to say, dabbled a bit in the ECHL, hasn't played a ton, um, but uh, came in and got his first start, first win on Saturday night, looked confident, uh, looked pretty good. Um, we talk about Rick all the time, you know, people say, oh, you know, just call up so-and-so from the ECHL or, oh, just call up so-and-so from the AHL to the NHL. And we talk all the time about how, you know, it's not always that easy, particularly for goaltenders. Um, and I and I spoke to Guindon uh, via Zoom this past week um, and asked him just he's played four periods of hockey in the AHL. That's it. Four periods. But in that four periods, I said, have you can you already pinpoint the biggest difference that you're seeing from the crease in playing as a goaltender in the AHL? And his answer that that we're going to play here in just a second, his answer is not only indicative of why it's difficult to make the jump from the ECHL to the AHL, but it really goes towards the broader picture of why those same reasons are then magnified tenfold when you try to take a goaltender from the AHL to the NHL. Take a listen to this. Um, the biggest difference is to find the puck. Uh, the guys are, 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 are faster, they're bigger. And so, so uh, the pace is changing. And for me, it's really much if I can catch the release of the shot. Uh, for me, my game, it's way easier. But the thing is, is like every guy on the ice hide their shots. Every guy on the ice are good at using uh, the D in front of them as a screen. So for me, the biggest difference from U sports to uh, the D, DCHL or even the Q is just uh, finding the puck. So he's he jumped a couple of levels, as you said, uh, U, U sports, CIS. Um, there's, there's that level. And then he jumps to um, uh, the lowest pro level in the ECHL, and that's an adjustment. And then he has to make an adjustment again to the AHL. And um, an interesting guy. He's, he, as you said, he's not played a lot of hockey. He's focused on his studies. 
um, at McGill, which is interesting for um, a francophone to go to McGill. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's uh, he has his, his uh, degrees. He's um, majored in exercise physiology. And, and uh, so he, he seems to approach this with a very... Uh, cerebral kind of analytical approach uh, this these changes that he's gone through absolutely um and and jf Wool said the same thing he was surprised at how uh calm he was and that he just seemed confident and worked through everything uh likely that we will see him start again on the upcoming road trip at least once there's a back-to-back on the road trip so uh coach did did insinuate that he will likely get another start but i appreciated uh, the candidness of his response um from a goaltending perspective because we had just heard that from mcniven a couple of weeks ago about how surprised he was at the quickness of the release of nhl players shots Um, and it's just one of those things that goes to kind of further the understanding for fans that it's not just oh i play goal i play in I play as a goaltender and I'm doing pretty well at whatever level I'm at. And so I should just be able to jump up to the next level. There are so many factors that go into having a successful transition to the next level for a goaltender. And um, I thought Gindon did a good job of explaining that. Uh, as far as injuries for Laval, uh, Brandon Gignac sh- uh, is is recovering from, uh, I believe, a wrist injury. Uh, he should be back in the lineup uh, probably Maybe this weekend. We'll see, uh, according to J.F. Uhl. Josh Brook practicing full contact now with the Rocket. He is going to travel with the team. Likely won't play yet this weekend. Uh, J.F. Uhl wants him to get uh, some good, solid full contact practices in before he uh, before he lets him loose in a game. So perhaps next week for the homestand. Uh, but I believe Josh Brook will be traveling with the team this week so that he can continue practicing. It's great to see that he is almost back on the ice. The player who did get back on the ice this past weekend, however, was Joel Teasdale. Finally was able to uh, make his debut for the season on Friday night uh played in his his first game it was a loss it was a it was a it was a feisty little loss uh that they had on Friday night but speaking to Teasdale after the game um asked him you know what how how he felt first of all and what it meant for him to finally work his way back through this injury uh and all of this rehabbing and and get back to playing uh some hockey in general I felt really good uh, for, of course, at the beginning, uh, I, I was struggling moving my feet, but uh, it, it didn't took me uh, a long time to uh, to start doing this, and uh, that's what I, and like success uh, happened when I'm doing this. So I moved my feet, I, I went in the corner, uh, just played in front of the net. That's where I get my success. So uh, that's what I did, and I felt like really good in general. I felt really good to play with my teammates. Uh, I've been out uh, of the game for a really long time. Uh, I, I enjoyed wa- watching the, the games, but I, uh, at one point uh, you you want to play hockey, so uh, it's just good uh, to, to to get that get that out of the way. <laughs> been out for a really long time. How long? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when I think of Teasdale, I think of his Memorial Cup season, mm-hmm. um, and and it's it's odd when you realize that was 2018-19 that he's been in uh he's uh, his, his third season of pro hockey 
uh, third season in the AHL, and he's and he's only played 28 games in those three seasons. Yeah. So um, he's he's had a couple of injuries. He's, he's been off for a long time, um, and uh, but he's worked hard and and uh, in rehabbing and, and made his way back to the lineup. I liked how he said, I have success when I move my feet. So I I moved my feet. (laughs) It was very good. Uh, J.F. Ull was also pretty impressed with Joel Teasdale's performance. He started him out in that first game on the fourth line. um, And this this next clip is going to be Ull's reaction to Teasdale's play that night. You'll hear that he, he thinks very highly of how Teasdale played in that season debut, so much so that he promoted him on the next night. He played well. He plays a heavy game. He's uh, he's a big, strong boy. He's you know he goes to the net hard. He wins battles. He had two or three chances to score tonight. He was right there. So uh, I really like this game. I think he's uh, he's going to be a good player for us. Natural for the coach to start him out um, lower in the lineup to have easier matchups. Then once he proved that he could handle that, uh, was quickly promoted up uh, the lineup. That's right. He got promoted up to the second line on Saturday night. On the wing of Alex Belzeal, uh, which a lot of people raised an eyebrow at, uh, he was Belzeal was asked about uh, playing at center. Um, I asked him about it. I know Anthony Marcotte did as well. J.F. Ull was asked about it. Apparently Belzeal has, has played at that position in junior and had told the coach at the beginning of the season if there ever comes an opportunity that you need someone to fill in at center. I'm comfortable doing that. So um, Belzeal was on playing in the center of the second uh, line that night with Teasdale on his wing. And after the game was very complimentary about Joel Teasdale's play. We could see every shift, every, every period he was getting better. And it's really tough, especially like when you haven't played for that long and you jump back like on the, on a good pace like this, like tonight. Um, but now he looked good. Like, I mean, he's a, he's a really efficient guy. Like he, he's low key. Sometimes he's not as flashy as you would think, but he's so efficient. And uh, I really like uh, the play with this kind of player. It was good because I mean, um, Belzeal is a is a veteran. He's he's a leader on the team. He's going to um, keep an eye on on Teasdale. He's going to make up for any uh, defensive uh, mistakes. And and listen, uh, Belzeal's not the the quickest player on the ice, so uh, pretty easy for Teasdale in his return to keep up. Absolutely. Uh, so. There were also, over the last couple of weeks, players that J.F. Wool, you know, he's gotten reinforcements back. As players start to come back to the lineup for Dominic Ducharme in Montreal, that means that players are sh- are slowly shuffling back down to Laval. Um, and so we've had an opportunity to talk to either some of those players or Coach Ull about those players um, and kind of get a sense of what they learned from being up in Montreal. For some of them, it was a very uh, unique opportunity for them to get that NHL call up uh, probably would not have happened without the COVID situation this season. One of those would be Raphael Harvey Pinard. Um, Harvey Pinard was up uh, just for a brief stint in Montreal, spoke to him the other day and asked him, you know, really what was it that he was taking from that experience in Montreal uh, and and wanting to work on now that he was back down in Laval. Uh, when I was with uh, the the Habs, I realized something that I need to work on. Uh, I need to be like like I said uh, like earlier during the season. I need to be stronger around the net. Uh, those guys are big. That's what I'm working on. And also, uh, I talk uh, with Jeff about the the three first step. You know, I want to be faster and faster. So I'm working on that uh, in the practice, and I'm gonna be working on that during the summer uh, eventually. 
I think he's nailed it. Um, he, he knew even before he got to the NHL, he knew that he needed to uh, improve his skating. His He's subpar at the AHL level uh, in terms of his skating. Um, and he's he's made some strides. He worked on it last summer, uh, but he's got a lot of work to do there if he expects to to make it to uh, the NHL. And um, and 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 yes, his size five nine, about one eighty. Um, he's going to have to work on his strength. <laughs> he's he's the kind of 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 player who's fearless, who who doesn't mind going to the net. But to have any effect, or any impact when he goes to the net, he's going to have to get much stronger. Absolutely. Uh, another player that I think fans were excited to to catch a glimpse of and and probably a little, um, if they weren't too familiar with him, a little surprised to see how comfortable he looks and how skilled he is, is Jesse Alonen uh, when he was playing up with the Habs for a bit. Uh, much to our chagrin, he got sent back down to Laval uh, and has been there for a couple of weeks now. Um, but uh, JFL certainly knows what a player in the making uh, Jesse Alonen is. I asked the coach to talk a bit about, you know, how much of a difference, if he has seen a difference at all in Yelonen's play since he came back from the NHL and really what his strengths are moving forward. And and the coach was very complimentary. Well, I, I think, you know what, he's playing with confidence right now. He's, uh, he's skating really well out there. He's making a lot of key plays. Uh, you know, I'm not even worried to, to, to use him at the end of a game too. So, you know, he's playing well defensively, he's well positioned. And, uh, no, I said it all along. Yelo's a second second round pick for the Montreal Canadiens. He's got a, a great future ahead of him. And I, I think one day he'll play in the NHL. Yeah, uh, he, he <laughs> should be there now <laughs> in place of uh, uh, Laurent Dufan or, or Michael Pizzetta. Or, uh, I, I, I really think he's he's the most mature of any of the, the prospects in um, in Laval, um, it doesn't seem to be having any problem with uh, the AHL. He's on almost a point a game pace this season in Laval, uh, and didn't look out of place at all uh, when he we played uh, for the Canadians in the NHL. Not at all, and he has continued to do that again now that he's back in Laval. I believe in his first three games back playing for the Rocket in the AHL, he already had four points, two goals, and two assists. Uh, so he is continuing his uh, his pace uh, and his productivity. He's uh, consistently, JFL has had him on the first line uh, on Jean-Sebastian D's wing, and he seems to be uh, doing pretty well there uh, with Gabriel Bork on the left wing. Uh, so like to see uh, Yelonen doing well. We'd like to see him back in the NHL again. So hopefully that will happen again for him before the end of the season. The player, Rick, that I think um, we talked about this both here and on the Canadians connection that, uh, you know, we had to chuckle at all of the Montreal media that were suddenly so shocked at this revelation named Lucas Vedemo that came out of the AHL and, and who knew he had such skill. Um, <laughs> um it was great to see Vedamo look so comfortable and so effective uh, in his role that he did get to play, albeit not long enough, uh, in the NHL. Um, you know, it's Lucas has worked really hard to a uh, lot of obstacles, a lot of mental game, that type of thing uh, over the past couple, couple of years. Had a chance to speak to him and J.F. Uhl yesterday. And I mentioned to, to Vedamo not that he needed a reminding of it, but that his rookie season in the AHL, that was the 2018-19 season, um, he put up 29 points that season. And he is, right now, if he plays 
the remaining, you know, 40 or so games that Laval has left in the AHL, he's on pace to certainly beat that. He's doing really well again this season. That rookie year was his highest producing season in the AHL so far. Um, and so, you know, talk to him about a number of different things. Um, before we talk about how how he thinks his progress overall is doing, however, um, he commented um, pretty poignantly on how well he felt that he did in his kind of audition with the Habs uh, so far this year and and the little bit of an extended stay that, that he had up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to do my best and I, I felt the uh, first couple of games I played good. Uh, we had, uh, unfortunately, we had a couple of loss there. So it's always tough when you're losing games. But overall, I think I took a step this year and I felt good out there and uh, I'm more comfortable. Uh, and, um, you know, when you're playing more and more games, you... you you got to feel it. And uh, I felt like uh, I learned from every game and uh, it felt actually pretty well when I played. I mean, I tried to to focus on my strength when I'm playing and uh, use uh, use my skating and uh, be, be sharp on those details uh, when you're up there. It's uh, the game is a little bit faster, but uh, I felt uh, I felt good out there. And uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully I'm back there soon. It, his skating is is what um, uh, is a strength mm-hmm. um, for him and uh, and allows him to compete pretty well and and he's he's mainly used um, it, well he he can play just about any role um, he's very good defensively um, one thing that we've noticed this season more than any other in the AHL is he's using his size he's got mm-hmm. good size. At six one, but um, he's he's filled out his frame. He's strong, much stronger, and he's able to compete in front of the net. Uh, he's done that in the AHL. We saw he can do that in in uh, the NHL as well. And and uh, he's a very good penalty killer at the AHL level. And we saw Dom Ducharme use him, particularly b- before Christmas, um, in in that kind of role in the NHL. And and uh, he's another guy absolutely could be in the NHL right now. Absolutely. Uh, And there are some challenges, of course, that he faced while being up there. He even he talked about, you know, playing all the time. We saw that he didn't get into every game. He'd play some nights, other nights he would be a healthy scratch. Um, You know, he was playing fourth line minutes. Um, it, It was it wasn't exactly easy for him. And so I asked him about that and how he feels uh, that has his progress and and just, you know, what's really bringing him back to the kind of production he saw in his in his rookie season in the AHL. Um, And here he is with with some interesting comments about that. And then I asked him one follow up question that I think you'll be intrigued to hear the answer to. You get older and learning. And also, I try to work with myself like it's so much uh, uh, up there like it's uh, it's not all, only on the ice so you need to have your brain with you and I feel uh, I'm learning that every year too you get wiser and wiser and uh, I play with more confidence uh, as you said and uh, that's when I'm playing good so just to, gonna try to keep that uh, and, uh, and uh, hopefully it's gonna continue well here and uh, yeah it's also tough when you're up there you you sit a couple of games and then you play a couple but you don't have that many minutes and you go back and forth out of the lineup and uh, just try to, to to stay in shape but uh, down here you hopefully I'm playing more and uh, and uh, gonna get back to that uh, that good shape and uh, feel good out there so uh, yeah it's 
you learn over the years and uh, it's for sure it's easier. Just lastly, did you get any feedback from uh, coaches or any staff uh, at the NHL level of, of what they'd like to see you continue to work on uh, down in Laval? No, not really. They just uh, told me that guys were back and uh, I'm going to keep working. So that's, that's what they said. So um, as far as, as him, you know, sitting games and, and uh, not getting minutes, I think he was, as I said before Christmas, before New Year's um, is uh, when he was uh, most consistently used. He's only played six games in the NHL this season, but uh, he played on the 28th of December, the 30th of December, and the 1st of January. Able to, to get a bit of a, a roll going. He had four shots in the, the New Year's Day game. Playing uh, 13 minutes, 14 minutes um, uh, a game, uh, 21 shifts, 23 shifts, uh, and he looked his best in those games. Then uh, the Canadians had a layoff, and, and so did he. Uh, but he, the, the last two games at the end of January that he played, the 27th and the 29th, um, he got five minutes in each of those games. Mm-hmm. You, you, can't, you can't contribute. You can't get on a roll. And, and um, Dom Ducharme, I think the expectation of him being a junior coach was that he'd come in. And I remember Mark Bergevin saying that uh, he's the kind of uh, he brings a, a, a new outlook and, and uh, the kind of, of coach that a young player can connect with. Except uh, Dom Ducharme, as we know, is, is a, a terrible communicator, really poor communicator in either language, and, and, um, and has trouble, real trouble, connecting with young players. And that comment at the end is really disappointing. We've, we've talked about... You know, people have talked about uh, the Canadians have had trouble developing prospects, and that's true. But it's it's not necessarily the fault of the AHL coaches they've had. It's not the fault of of the the scouting staff or the the folks who draft. It has been the fault consistently of the NHL coach, and um, they they the transition to the NHL has always been difficult for. Canadians prospects and that's because there's been a series of NHL coaches who who don't who don't handle them very well don't communicate very well we think about we've heard this in the past with Claude Julien was reluctant to talk to and communicate very well with any of the younger players wouldn't give them any feedback and we hear that again now with uh, Lucas Vedemo and and not getting any kind of uh, information or any kind of uh, feedback from Dom Ducharme. If Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes are sincere about the fact that they want to start really taking a serious look at overhauling how development is handled within the organization, it's instances like that uh, that need to be addressed. Um, Of course, Lucas Vedemo is going to know when he gets pulled into the office and says, and and is told you're heading back to Laval. Of course he knows it's because we've got guys coming back who are healthy now. Of course he knows that. But would it kill a coach or, or, you know, someone to also just say, take three minutes and say, so while you were here, we really liked that we really liked how this, this, and this looked, and we think, you know, you know, you know, you're going back to Laval because guys are are coming back uh, healthy now, so we don't have room on the roster. When you go back down there, we just like we would like you to work on this and this. It would take even five minutes. 
just to say, good job on this, work on this, and we'll see you again. And and that's really the disappointing part. Um, and and you could hear in his voice too that it was just kind of like, a, oh, I don't really want to talk about. It. No, they didn't. They didn't tell me anything. Like that's that. Um, and that's a shame too because it makes the player feel like, okay, could you have spent five minutes with me to tell me like what I did well and what I need to work on? Um, so those are the things I'm really hoping that that Gordon and Hughes and this this new regime really I'm I'm hope I'm taking them at their word. I really hope things and situations like that get improved to help the development of young players. Um, Jean-Francois Uhl, though, he knows what he has in Lucas Vedemo. Asked him yesterday uh, to talk about uh, Vedemo's performance overall uh, and and his prospects as an NHLer. Um, and this is a this is a little bit of a longer quote, but it's because the coach had a lot to say about Lucas Vedemo, and it's all good. Well, he's a he's a lefty centerman, and for us, we haven't had a, a lefty centerman to win draws uh, very much since he's left. So, so that's a huge plus, especially on the PK. He's a he's a player that can play and uh, is very good on the uh, on the PK. Wins draws. Uh, he's, he cuts li- uh, lines. He blocks shots. He's you know he's pretty important to our team, and um, and he's produced a lot too. Uh, uh, right before he left for for the NHL, he was on a, a good uh, point streak there, and um, he was creeping up in into our, our, our scoring leaders. So uh, he's he's a pretty well rounded player that that will that is a big addition for us. And once you're in the AHL for three or four years, you understand the the game a lot better, and you you uh, you understand the league. So as an older player, you know the tricks that you know to get you a little bit more points, and you know that's one thing with Lucas. He needs to play. It, it, a little bit more in the traffic and I think he knows that and that's how he uh that's how he produces I know if he goes to the net uh, he's got a lot more chances to, to get points and I think he's he's aware of that and he's been doing that uh, a lot more too is that an area of his game that you think that he needs to focus on on making some big improvements yeah. to help him take that next step and and stick longer in the NHL yeah absolutely I think uh, it's consistency with uh with Lucas I think he needs to be consistent in order to play at the, at the next level and you got to be able to play in traffic and win those board battles like as a centerman in the NHL you can't get beat one-on-one down low and those are the things he's he's been working on he's been much better he's very reliable defensively and uh you know if he continues doing that he's, he's got a chance maybe to stick in the NHL one day Excellent. Thanks a lot, Coach. Yeah. Thanks, Amy. Stéphane Leroux. So um, we've, I mean, we know Lucas Vedemo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've 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 interviewed him since 2015, thereabouts, um, at the World Juniors, and and um, we've seen the the progress that he's made and the adjustment he's made to the North American game. Uh, as I said, he's taken a big step forward uh, this year, playing much more physically. He's been listening, obviously, um, to JF Uhl and and um, and isn't afraid to do that at the next level and has the strength to do it, uh, the size and the strength to do it. Um, he just needs the op- more of an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and listen, our, if there's things uh, that he should be working on, uh, he needs that guidance and communication uh, as well. 
but but opportunity is is the one thing for him because now with a bit of confidence with more strength he knows that he can compete with uh, NHLers uh, and he knows he's smart he knows uh, that that he's good defensively and can contribute to uh, special teams as well absolutely uh, it's, and it's refreshing to hear at least one of his coaches knows that he's a, a big important part of a team and knows that he's got uh, a lot of great assets and talents working for him. Um, All right. Well, we were, uh, like I said, at the top of the show, lots of great conversations with players and the coach uh, this past week. We're going to have more of that coming this coming week as well. Um, And it's just, we're, it's all part of what we're here to do at the press zone is to bring you these voices, bring you, you know, sound and audio and and quotes and things that you're not hearing other places so that you really get to know the prospects you get to know understand their development progress and things of that nature so was really excited to be able to bring all of that audio to you today and for Rick and I to be able to kind of analyze it a little bit. Uh, So what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors at DraftKings. Guess what? Super Bowl is coming up in a couple of weeks, so they have a special offer just for the Super Bowl. Uh, And when we come back, we are going to take a look at where Laval is at in the standings. Are they in a playoff position? We'll find out right after this. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. Now, if Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code THPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or over. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. This is episode 242, found, of course, also at the Hockey Podcast Network. Thanks for being with us. Uh, once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. want to make sure, in case you're a newer listener, uh, that you're following us on Twitter. That's the best place to go to find all of our new content or our in-game coverage of the Laval Rocket, uh, and all sorts of great information. So be sure you're following at the AHL Report 
Or you can follow this podcast at The Press Zone. That's at the AHL Report or at The Press Zone. Whether you're a new listener, if you've been listening for years, this is season five of The Press Zone. Uh, We want to make sure that you're subscribed. So be sure to uh, just look down whatever app uh, you're currently listening to this podcast in. Uh, Take a look. Make sure you're subscribed. Hit the notification bell so that you always get uh, updates of when we have a new episode, which come out every Tuesday, of course. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, if you could do us a favor, it would be ever so kind of you. If you could rate the show, which you're able to do on Apple and Spotify, uh, drop a five-star rating. That helps boost us up in those search rankings uh, and help grow this community of Habs and Laval Rocket fans that we have here at Rocket Sports Media and the Press Zone. Uh, so, Rick, uh, it is February 1st, mm-hmm. and uh, we haven't looked at the standings in a little while. Laval was struggling there for a bit. They went on a pretty hefty uh, losing streak, unfortunately, for a little while there back in late fall, uh, but have been playing much better as of late. Uh, in fact, well enough that they are out of the basement of the division, sitting currently in fourth in the North Division, uh, just Utica, Rochester, and Toronto ahead of them, which is pretty fun. Um, they're ninth in the Eastern Conference. So again, sort of right in the middle, um, need to improve a little bit. What I find interesting, though, they've only played, because of all the postponements, they've only played 30 games this season. That's the least amount of any team in the AHL. So of any team in the AHL, they have the most ground to make up. Interesting that uh, you're right. Um, they have 40, they played 30, they have 42 games to play. Uh, the, the team right behind uh, them, uh, Syracuse Crunch, have played four more games but they also have 42 games to play because remember, <laughs> uh, the there 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 was a, a menu of of, oh, yeah. of uh, choices you could make as far as the number of games and and uh, it was Laval who chose uh, the fewest to to play this year. So um, it's just like whose line is it anyway? The points don't matter. That's you right. look at the points percentage. That's right, uh, and that's the key here. Um, so, as I said, uh, Syracuse and Laval both have uh, 42 games remaining. Uh, we said points don't matter. They're both at 34 points. Uh, Laval has a better points percentage. But look who's coming up on the schedule. Mm. It's Syracuse. <laughs> Syracuse for three straight games, Wednesday, Next Friday, week. Saturday, <laughs> uh, the, the 9th to the 12th. Yep. And then Syracuse again yep. on the 18th. So within 10 days... You have four games against Syracuse that may uh, that may decide who uh, occupies that fourth and last playoff spot in the North Division. This is this is a, an interesting stretch, and it's interesting how the schedule's worked out. It is, and remember, this is because first it was Syracuse that got hit with a, a whole raft of shutdowns due to COVID uh, back in November, December. Uh, and so there were games against Syracuse that had to be postponed back in December. And then the Rocket had their own shutdowns. And so games that they were supposed to be hosting Syracuse uh, also got postponed. So now it means all of those postponed games are coming together all at once. Uh, as Rick said in February, they're going to be seeing an awful lot of the Syracuse crunch. <laughs> an awful lot. Um, so... 
That is on the slate for next week. For this week, however, they do have three games to play before they host that three-game homestand against the Syracuse Crunch next week. This week, they'll be on the road. Uh, Again, divisional battles. They've got two games Wednesday night and Friday night in Utica against the division leading Utica Comets. The league leading Utica. League, I sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> the league leading Utica Comets. Uh, and then Saturday night, they take a trip to Belleville uh, to, to play a game against the Senators. All three of those are on the road, but have no fear. Your AHL report team is here. Uh, I will have full coverage of all three of those road games at AHLReport.com and at the AHL Report on Twitter. Uh, full coverage, in-game uh, updates on Twitter. And then post-game, of course, uh, we'll be doing post-game interviews via Zoom with J.F. Wool and uh, select players after each game. Full game recaps, uh, you name it. We'll have you covered for all three of those games. They promise to be excellent, excellent matches. Um, and, of course... You talk about that, Rick, you know, you've got all of those games against Syracuse and all three games this week are all divisional play. It's a really there's like two or three weeks that could really make or break the division all happening all at once. Uh, So it's going to be pretty, pretty intense, I think. So you're going to want to stay tuned to AHL.Report. You're going to want to have uh, the the Press Zone subscribed in your favorite podcast app um, because you're not going to want to miss this next couple of weeks. Not at all. And in the meantime, while you're waiting for game recaps, we've got some other great content coming out at AHLReport.com. Maria Boabdo will be back with another edition of AHL Weekly uh, on Tuesday that hits uh, later on in the evenings every Tuesday, gives you all of the latest news from across the American Hockey League, including uh, league-wide standings, uh, updates, uh, noteworthy news, that type of thing, as well as the player of the week and players of the month as determined by the American Hockey League. And our dear friend Patrick Williams is back with his under review column that comes out every other Wednesday. So this is a week for that. So be on the lookout for Patrick's under review column. Always something fun from all of the great uh, information that he picks up along his along the way of his daily league wide coverage of the American Hockey League. Um Really great uh, two two pieces of content that you're not going to want to miss this week. And then we launch right in with all of these road games. So it's going to be a busy week here at AHL Report. Uh, frankly, it's going to be a busy month. The Rocket play 13 times this month. <laughs> so uh, Christian and myself will be uh, busy bringing you coverage all month long. But we've got uh, we've got you covered from top to bottom. Sounds great. Absolutely. So uh, we appreciate you being here. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us uh, a rating uh, if you have the ability to do that on your podcast app. And uh, we will see you back here again next Tuesday for another excellent episode full of lots more information about the Laval Rocket right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.